Hello, this is Marcus Robinson, a.k.a. Mark Rob. And on behalf of Kellen Conley, Hyphen Nation, and the Hyphen Podcast Group, thank you for listening to this episode. Before we get started, please be advised we will be discussing the child molestation accusations levied against the late Michael Jackson. While conversations tend to have levity, there will be serious discussion of the molestation accusations in great detail. If you have difficulty listening to topics that include sexual assault, potential sexual assault and molestation of a child, or are triggered by anything of that nature, please be aware that this episode may not be for you. We thank you for your time and listening. Welcome to Hyphenation. Let's just get right to it. I'm here with uh, Marcus showing Mad Love Robinson. I'm Kellen Conley. This is the uh, world's greatest podcast, uh, Barack Obama approved, hyphenation. And we're going to get into something heavy. And uh, we, I, I don't know how many laughs we'll provide this episode, but we're here to talk about Michael Jackson and the documentary that just came out, Leaving Neverland. And we're going to do what me and Marcus do. We're going to dive deep and uh, talk about some things. So, Marcus, how are you doing tonight, bro? Uh, I'm doing okay, man. I'm doing okay. Um, when uh, Whenever the news broke out, even before the uh, documentary premiered, I definitely knew that this is something I was definitely going to watch and I wanted to chop it up with you about because um, I think we can say unequivocally other than this might not even be hyperbole but other than maybe like jesus christ michael jackson may be the most famous person in the history of the world so i mean this is something that you know it's going to be something that has ramifications not only throughout the music industry industry but you know just pop culture in general um so right so yeah, my, I knew that whenever the uh, whenever the documentary came out, and it would you know basically drug up a lot of um, dredge up a lot of uh, accusations and you know information about you know Mike that we weren't definitely not going to prepare to hear. But um, it's important that we know the truth and know all sides of the story and hear different people's perspectives, especially people who. You know, they say that they are victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse. Um, but, you know, I definitely want to chop it up with you, Kelly, because I know that you're definitely um, definitely smart, definitely sensitive to these issues. And, uh, you know, we definitely wanted to create a space of conversation where we can, you know, review the documentary and then also, you know, try to come up with some answers in this crazy world that we live in. Right. Yeah, because the funny thing was, uh, I guess it was last month, January or maybe. Um, the funny thing was that I had mentioned to you, I was like, oh, yo, it's going to be 10 years since Michael Jackson passed in July. Mm-hmm. So 
our June. So let's uh let's get together and talk about everything. And you had said uh you may want to wait on this documentary. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I I'd heard about it, but I was like, yeah, let's let's see what this documentary brings and then we'll we'll see where we're going. And here we are, man. So as always, Marcus has graciously provided the provided the uh questions and the topics that we're going to be going through this episode. Um I do want to ask you one thing before we get into it though. You said you took notes as you watched this? Yeah, I took notes um which I literally have never done in my entire life watching anything. Um uh, because there are things that I was fascinated by and there were things that I was questioning so I mean, like I said, I, uh, we're going to have a conversation, you know, about the documentary itself, about the, um, subjects, um, not only Michael Jackson, but the, um, the gentleman that levied the accusations, um, Wade Robinson, uh, I'm sorry, Rob, I'm sorry, Wade Robson. And, um, yeah, I thought it was Robson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Until part two. And then they're like Robson. I'm like Robson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Him and, um, James Safechuck, uh, call him Jimmy, his nickname is Jimmy. Yep. And so, you know, there are things about the documentary that, you know, definitely eye-opening, but there are things, uh, that, you know, that I wanted to question and wanted to think about a little bit more. Um, so, yeah. So, if you, you know, I'm a, the listener, I'm assuming you have heard or have at least seen it or heard about it, uh, but HBO premiered a, um, you know, a documentary called Leaving Netherland. Um, it was created by British filmmaker Dan Reed, and it's a two-part series. Um, it's about two hours per part, so four hours in total, um, basically following the lives of Wade and Jimmy um, from their childhood all the way up until, you know, present day. And not to get, you know, too bogged down in the details initially, but... Um, we basically follow their journey of what their early life was. And, you know, these are young boys who, you know, their life is forever changed, you know, because they, you know, encounter Michael Jackson and, you know, they fall into the lifestyle of being, you know, on tour with them and performing shows, um, you know, having hour long hours upon hours of phone calls and, uh, it even sounds very weird saying out loud, but sleepovers with Michael Jackson. Right. And, you know, we hear about abuse stories about how um, I believe Wade said he was abused from the age of seven to mm -hmm. 14. And right. Jimmy's the same situation where he was um, abused and molested um, through, you know, his early childhood to his adolescence. Um, so we we fought, we follow their journey, and we also see how because they're you know Michael Jackson's part of their life. You know we see how even their families are basically rocked to the core and in some ways even destroyed because you know Michael Jackson. According to them, you know he um, is a bit of a, a manipulator and a uh, groomer and. He basically, they they accuse him of put, you know pitting them against their parents and uh, yeah man it's a, a lot of um 
there's a lot of sad details. Um, yeah. Part two. Part two. We um, we go from their childhood to adulthood, and where we see Michael on on trial um, in the early two thousands. Uh, whenever he had his um, you know, big um, other molestation case, and how that got tossed. Uh, and by the end of the documentary, we we follow you know after Michael's death, we see how you know these years of trauma sort of catch up to Jimmy and Wade, and how you know they first admit to their families that you know they've been abused, and and yeah, we sort of um, just kind of in it there. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Man, so so yeah, so like I said, I wanted to get with Kellen, you know, just to. Uh, you know, hear his thoughts on the um, on the documentary itself, and also sort of digest like where, as society, I mean, not even American society, but the world. Like Michael Jackson's literally a world-renowned artist. Um, how the world actually is going to move forward from this? Um, now, once the doc- documentary you know came out this last weekend, you know, news, you know, news publications and media like. This has basically been a topic of discussion for a lot of different people for a lot of number of days. Um, I've seen like news. Uh, I'm sorry. I've seen like um, radio stations have begun to, you know, ban Michael's music from playing. You know, people joke that we're living in the the cancel culture. Like, if you do something, like you'll just get canceled and forgotten about. Um, and so that's one of the later questions I want to ask you about because I think that we're sort of in an interesting space where. This this man literally sold, you know, hundreds of millions of records. Like, he was a... I don't think you can become more iconic than Michael Jackson. Like, the no, 80s... No way. Yeah, like, there's... Like, if someone... He really defined, like, what it meant to be a pop star. And I think every person after him, in some way, shape, or form, they always chase that. And so the conversation is always like, how can X compare to Michael? Like, the conversation now is like, who, well, before this documentary came out, the conversation was, is Beyonce a better performer than Michael? And, you know, I mean, that's, even if you don't agree that Beyonce, you know, can compare, like, just for the fact that, you know, she is up there, that just shows, you know, not only her great career, but just the, the long staying power that Michael had over our basically collective subconscious of what it means to be like someone who's in the pop sphere and has like right. star quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So the conversation that I wanted to have with you is, um, you know, we're going to, before we delve into the actual documentary itself, um, I wanted to actually talk to you about the 1993 um, accusation. Um, I remember when I was a kid, like, I still remember where I was when, like, that the um, simulcast happened. So basically for, for people who don't know me, I forgot, like, in 1993, there was a, that was actually the very first time Michael was accused of sexual abuse uh, from a child. And he had a telecast that broadcast or simulcast through different cable um, television channels. And if I remember correctly, it was like in the afternoon sometime. Um, 
I was living in DC at the time. I, I, I was at daycare and I was, you know, playing with my friends, uh, but we had a TV in like one of the rooms and, you know, all of a sudden, whatever we were watching was interrupted by, you know, this red background and this, you know, very, very pale skinned Michael Jackson talking a lot of stuff that I wasn't even, you know, not even really aware of what was really going on. Like at this time, I was only, you know, about seven, maybe six, seven years old. And so, you know, I'm not young, so I don't really understand the full magnitude of actually what's going on. And to be honest, like, I'm not sure a lot of other countries even realize it either. Do you remember where you were in 93 when that happened? Or was that, like, even a thing uh, where you were when that happened? Um, Like, so you said you saw it during the day. I didn't see it as it happened because I'm thinking I was in school. So I didn't see it the moment it came across the TV. I saw it on they they start when the news picked it up. So my mom would always watch. Uh, she would uh, what was the oh she would watch Channel Four because uh, we got the DC uh, news channel. So we'd always watch NBC and we watched the um, five o'clock news or whatever. And um, I believe that they played the full video message on there. And I saw that and I was like, I'm pretty sure I was with my mom. I was like, Michael Jackson uh, did what happened, mom? And she's like. Uh, He's being accused of of uh, doing inappropriate things with uh, kids essentially your age and stuff like that. And I was like, that's crazy. Michael Jackson never would do that. Like, Michael Jackson's the greatest, you know? Like, uh, I don't know what I said exactly. Because yeah. um, it was such a small blip. Because I remember seeing the video as a child. And then I kind of remember or the, the, um, the statement as a child. And then I remember it kind of fading from public eye. Eventually, like they were talking about on the news a lot, but like I said, we were only watching the local news. We weren't watching like the 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 major um, uh, country country news, the national news. We weren't watching that or anything, so we weren't getting constantly bombarded by the news cycle. Michael Jackson, it was just kind of here and there, and then it went away. And then next thing I know, um, next time I, I even recall Michael coming back into the public eye was 95 when he was releasing his history album so it was a very small blip for me and i was just kind of like oh there's no way he did that and i I can't remember what my parents response to it was um but i I think i may have read a little bit of the story from like my mom used to have a people magazine subscription so i think i read a little bit about it in there um like but i don't it didn't have any impact on me that made me say Michael Jackson definitely did this or Michael Jackson could have done that. I was just too young. You know, it was, it was all about what I, for me, bad was my first exposure to Michael Jackson. So that's what I remembered because I was, I was four at the time bad came out. And so that was yeah. my, and then dangerous came out in 91. So my, my, um, my experience is Michael Jackson was he's larger than life star, like you said, and there was just no way these accusations could be true. So that's where I was at. Yeah. So in '93, Jordan Chandler, uh, then he was uh, 13 years old. Um, you know, he, you know, he made the accusation. Um, and yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, you talk about, you know, come out the dangerous album. Like this is a man who, you know, I was born in '86, so I, 
I don't have like the experience of '80s Michael per se, but I definitely remember like you know '90s him just always being this larger than life figure. Oh, the rollout for Dangerous was huge, man. Like it, it yeah. was everywhere. Like it was like evening, like prime time video releases and everything. So there was no way you were missing anything he was doing around that time. Yeah, I mean, you know the what was it, uh, the uh, black or white video? I remember. Yes. I remember. You know, shit. I was with my I was at my cousin's house. And, like, that simulcast on cable TV, too. Like, Michael Jackson was literally an artist who could command, you know, that sort of attention and then not be that big of a deal. Like, you know, the Remember the Time video, like, you know, Jam. Yeah, I was like, getting ready to say. Remember the Time was a huge thing. Like, like I watched, um, like, I was, I remember getting to stay up late and watch that when it when they released. And it was, like, it wasn't just, like, a four-minute video. I mean, the original video was, like, eight or nine minutes, I feel like, because it was a whole mini-movie. Yeah, definitely. I'm um, shit Moonwalker, like, literally, ugh, I used to, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'm not going to be doing this, this joke anymore, but I used to always say, like, my favorite musicals ever was Purple Rain, Streets is Watching, and Moonwalker. I believe and you like, said that on this show before. I, I have, I have. Like, I mean, I... I absolutely love Moonwalker. Bad is, Bad is literally like, I mean, my top ten favorite albums ever. Like I, I love Bad, and so, you know, being being that young, you know, seeing what Michael is like, he. Someone wrote that like we treat our '80s pop stars like they were demigods, and I mean that's that's true. Like he he really was of that nature. And so when the 93 accusations hit, you know, that basically, you know, that was really sort of a very, being that young and seeing that, not knowing anything really, uh, uh, you know, anything like in depth or whatever, you know, that sort of, that was very strange. Like it was very, very strange to actually go through. And so he eventually settled, um, for over $15 million, right. which I'm not even sure even people even were, you know, very aware of that. Um, I, in, the, in, the, um, in the documentary, they say, like, the reporter said it, it could have been between uh, 15 to $25 million, but, I mean, no one really knew that, I guess, is public knowledge now, whatever. And so we're coming off this 93 accusation and settlement and then we're in this sort of gray period of where Michael is basically like the butt of jokes now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, even I was, even the Chappelle, uh, the Chappelle, um, Chappelle made jokes on his, uh, his um, Showtime stand-up special, um, you know, comedians and movies. Like it was, it was almost Martin. Like it was no big deal to sort of, you know, make fun of Michael now because, you know, he's basically this sort of weird character. Um, yeah. And so even though, you know, he's sort of, I guess, I don't want to say shunned because, I mean, we would definitely still listen to his music at the cookouts and the barbecues and every, you know, Halloween, we were still bumping Thriller. Um, but there's still a period where he just sort of, 
not necessarily in the public's consciousness. Um, and that's sort of after history, the history album, mm-hmm. um, basically after history, but in the between history and like the early 2000s. Um, but then, you know, we get to the 2005 and then we have another accusation and another trial. And so now let's, let's sort of incorporate um, a little bit more about the, um, uh, now this is where it's going to get a little bit, you know, sort of dicey. Dicey, dicey yeah. Yeah. So in 2005, mm-hmm. um, Michael had another trial. And one of the witness, one of the witnesses that called um, Michael to the stand, uh, that that got called to the stand in Michael's defense, was Wade Wade Robson. Yeah. And so he he got cross examined by you know the prosecution, and uh, you know according to them, like he was extremely convincing, and. And he testified that Michael never molested him and Michael never had, like, sexual contact with him. And Macaulay Calkin was another individual who was called in the trial. And, you know, he also testified that Mike, you know, did not molest him or sexually abuse him. Um, and as a result, you know, 2005, like, he, he got acquitted. And it wasn't like a settlement out of court thing. Like, he literally just got acquitted. And so with that victory in the public's eye, now it's sort of like, okay, you know, there may be one time we thought like, you know, they're trying to bring a black man down, but you know, this acquittal, you know, this stamp to that, you know, this is a, you know, he didn't really do it. And maybe these people really were out the money all this time. Yeah. And so when 2005 comes now and has the acquittal, now it's more acceptable that Mike is actually in the public eye. And so, even though we do have sort of like, you know, the tabloids and the wacko jackal stuff, like, you know, he, you know, it's okay that he's like more of a public figure now. Like he's at the BET Awards now. And, yeah. You know, he, he's That was a big deal. That, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's something that's like openly celebrated more now. Um, but then, you know, we come to his passing. And now this is sort of where it kind of gets tricky as well, because Wade, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of news about Wade and how he was during this time period of where, even though, you know, when he was a child and a teenager, he was getting molested by Michael, he still wanted to be, you know, a part of Michael's tribute when he died. Yeah. And he was, like, specifically requesting to be a part of tributes. Like, he was specifically requesting to go to the funeral to make arrangements. And, you know, this is a guy on the surface, he's saying that, you know, he he wants to be in Michael's life and celebrate Michael's life. Um, But then I believe, according to the documentary, maybe about a year and a half, two years later, that's when Wade actually made the accusations that he was molested by Michael. So, and also during this time period, the other uh, accuser, Jimmy um, James, he, according to the documentary, he said that he was asked about, I believe I'm right, he said he was asked to testify for Michael, but he just um he refused he just decided, 
yeah, he decided he didn't want to. Right. So, you know, and, and, he, and he got threatened apparently and by, yeah. by Michael and by Michael's attorneys and stuff. And he still stood firm. He's like, I'm not going to do it. And, and so he, uh, he did not testify in the 05 trial. Yeah. So now that's, that's sort of where we come to. So basically we're at a point where after Michael's passing, you know, not while he was alive, but after his passing, the gentleman felt compelled to, you know, come speak, you know, about, uh, you know, about what occurred. And from what I gather in summation, these were men who, when they were boys, especially more for Jimmy, they, you know, they claim that they, you know, loved Michael. And, you know, it's sort of gradual from, yeah, you like Michael Jackson, who he is as the icon, but, you know, maybe you take that as far as, like, you actually love him. And when he's giving this attention, you know, you're, you know, you're falling, you know, you're falling for him in that sort of way. And they kind of intimated that that's, that's the reason why they never said anything when they were a kid and they didn't, and maybe they didn't even think it was wrong, like their sexual relationship. Right. Um, and so, you know, because they had the love for Michael and, you know, Michael claimed that they love them back. Like that's why they felt compelled not to say anything, but whenever he passed and whenever they started having children, they couldn't mask. Well, particularly for Jimmy, like he couldn't mask his depression anymore. And right. I think, I think Michael's death triggered something in Jimmy to where, you know, he, he was just sort of wildly depressed, but he didn't really know how to exercise, like, what he was actually dealing with. Um, and so, so now, so yeah, so that, now we're basically, you know, at the present, and, you know, the two gentlemen, they participated in a documentary, and there was a, there was another special that Oprah did. Um, I didn't watch that special, but, you know, apparently... I didn't either. More, yeah, apparently they get more into, you know, the um, the why of everything uh, a bit more further with Oprah. So, so yeah, so so, so a couple uh, things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and uh, when he got acquitted uh, in two thousand and five, I was actually I was living in Morgantown. I was living my um, I had two roommates at the time, um, my friend Steve and my friend Wes. And it was like early afternoon. It was it was during the week sometime. And they're like, oh, they're gonna they're going to uh, they're going to announce the verdict today, the Michael Jackson trial and everything. And so I had turned on the TV. So I was like, I want to, because at this point in my mind, I'm like, I mean, he had actually went to trial. There was no settlement. So I yeah. really. Even though I, 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 I didn't feel any kind of way, I was too young and dumb to make a decision on whether or not I thought he was a, 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 a abuser at this point. So I, I just wanted to see what happened to Michael Jackson in, the, in his trial. So he turned it on, and I remember it took him like 45 minutes or an hour to leave his house to get to the court. And they, they had called, essentially called his lawyer said, the verdict's in, come, because like, he wasn't locked up. He was, he was at, uh, I think it was at Neverland or one of the, wherever his uh, other house was in L.A. I forget what it was called. Um, 
but we literally sat there had CNN on and we were just waiting for Michael Jackson to get into this vehicle so that he could go get this verdict read. And finally he came out and he went in and he was not guilty. And I was like, I kind of felt a vindication at that time because I was like, well, he's not guilty. Like, that's awesome. Like, again, young and dumb. And I don't know how I wasn't too familiar with uh, the way the law, the court system works and all this. And I mean, you had, I had an idea I was in my twenties, but at the same time, it was like, he's acquitted. That means he didn't do it. Like that, that was just, there was black and white for me. There was no gray area. And I remember me being happy for him and everything. And, and I don't remember it being a big race thing at the time, but I do remember like in the house at least, but I, I do remember us being happy that he had gotten off and I, and looking back, it was just a really weird set of events that unfolded that day. Even, even when it was just come to him getting his, his verdict read at the trial. Um, I, I, I just uh, that always that stuck out to me when we, I was thinking about what we were going to talk about tonight. I just wanted to share that. So, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, shit. I mean, other than other than the OJ verdict, I mean, that's that's like the shit. That's probably the biggest American verdict that we've been alive for. Honestly, I mean, yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, yeah, man. I I, I don't even remember where I was, but. I mean, no, you're right. I mean, it, it was definitely a situation where it's like, you know, we had the jokes, like we had the tie or whatever. Yeah, he may be, you know, kooky, you know, maybe he did really bleach his skin or whatever. But, you know, once he got the actual acquittal, then it's like, okay, like it really was like, you know, the person that tried to to scam them, like maybe they, maybe the first person scammed them, but the second one, they couldn't get the shit off. And so, right. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I said, like, and maybe we were not even just you and me, but I mean, maybe just society in general. Maybe we just wanted that vindication because we couldn't believe someone could really be that dastardly. Oh. Like, we, like, this is someone who, <laughs> this nigga made Thriller, like, we, why would we want him to be a terrible human being, you know? Right. And, and he so, made Thriller in his early 20s. like. I had yeah. that revelation like not too long ago because I, I know Thriller came out in 1982, but then you break it down like 93, he was they're saying he was 34. So, I mean that was 11 years earlier. So I mean he was he was literally like 23 when 23, 22 when him and Quincy sat down to make Thriller. And I was like, man, I can't believe Michael Jackson made Thriller um, at the that young of an age. That's incredible. Like I just had that thought like two weeks ago. And I was like, I wonder what this documentary is going to come out and say. So, yeah, he made Thriller. <laughs> yeah, man. And so, do you, I don't remember that trial, but the wild thing is, I remember exactly where I was when I heard, when he died. I was, um, I was in, I was in a bus station. I was on my way to Chicago, Illinois. I was, I was riding, I rode a Greyhound from fucking, Oh my god, I was living a savage life. I was telling you. I was I rode the Greyhound from uh whenever you remember when Morgantown used to actually have the Greyhound? Yes. I rode the Greyhound from Morgantown to fucking Chicago. And I was in a layover station, I believe it was still in Pittsburgh. 
and the news broke. And I remember people teen in, sorry, CNN, they reported that like, oh yeah, he's in a coma. We don't know if he's really, you know, dead yet. But then whenever TMZ broke the news, that's when people know like, oh, he really is dead. And the crazy shit is like, that's actually, that's when TMZ actually came credible in their reporting. Because before then, like, it was really just like, I mean, it still is, but it was just like, people thought it was just gossip bullshit. But whenever TMZ broke his death, that's when people were like, okay, TMZ actually has sources on like TMZ actually, which is really sad to say what our media kind of is, but TMZ really was a reputable source in reporting, you know, at least celebrity information at least. Right. So, so why were you were? going to Chicago? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean... Living the light. Making moves, man. At that time, yeah, I was, man. At that time. <laughs> do you do you remember where you were when you came uh, Do I? <laughs> uh, so I was working at the shoe department in the Morgantown Mall. And uh, I, I want to say, for some reason, maybe um, the third person was on lunch at that time. But it was just me and my uh, store manager at the time. And I walked over... Um, to the kids section and across from the kids section, like literally across the mall hallway, uh, there was the, um, the eye center that was in there. And on the yeah. eye center, it had a TV and it said that Michael Jackson was in a coma. And I was like, why is Michael Jackson in a coma? So I immediately run and get on my phone, call Angel. I'm like, yo, what's happening with Michael Jackson? And this is 2009, mind you. And she's like, um, I'm not seeing because she was sitting at home. She's like, I'm not seeing anything. Um, I'm seeing, I'm like, uh, like I'm seeing that he's in a coma and and this, that, and the third. And I was like, I was like, what happened? And they're like, they don't know anything. They just said that he collapsed or something, and they're um, that he's in a coma, and they're trying to, they're tr- they're get him to the hospital or whatever like that. And then I want to say, the only time in my life I can actually say this, Fox News came across with the news that he was dead. And I was like, and she's like, Fox News says he's dead. I'm like, it's Fox News. They're lying. They're lying. And she was like, she's like, I don't know. I don't know. It seems pretty credible. And then, and then I think I was able to get on Twitter and then start seeing things being confirmed that he had passed away. And literally, no pun intended, that shit rocked my world. I was fucked up for at least two weeks over that shit. And I didn't even expect it. It was like out of nowhere. Like, but like I literally like Angel actually ended up taking a trip to Atlanta, uh, like uh, for like some kind of uh, conference that she went down to with another teacher friend of hers. And so I was literally in my house when I wasn't at work, um, watching MTV play Michael Jackson videos all day. And I watched the tribute, the um, uh, memorial live at the Staples Center, and I watched Kobe and Stevie Wonder and Brooke Shields and all of them come through and talk about him. And I was literally messed up so bad. I called my dad. I was like, uh, he's like, hey, how you doing? So I'm, like, I'm good. I was like, I'm not good. I was like, I'm sad. He's like, why are you sad? I was like, because Michael Jackson's gone. And he was like, son, that's kind of part of life. Like, I mean, he gave us what he gave us while he was here, and it was his time to go, you know. And I was like. I was like, yeah, but I mean, it's Michael Jackson. Like, this is this is huge, and yeah. I, I was just literally messed up for weeks. And then even after that, it was constant rotation of 
um, off the wall all the way up to history. Like that's all I was playing for at least a month after. And then like I, I got the, um, let's see, Elliot Wilson put out his uh, MJ playlist and stuff. So I got all that stuff. And then 50 put out that MJ mixtape or whatever. Um, I, I think it was 50. Maybe I'm thinking wrong. I know DJ Jazzy Jeff did a mix, but then I think 50 did like Forever King or something. That was kind of, I don't think, it wasn't Michael Jackson theme, but it was something to do with Michael, I feel like. Maybe I'm just mixing the two together because they came out, that both happened around the same time. Um, and then the tribute starts happening. Like Dwelle is singing uh, Human Nature and creating the beat and everything on YouTube, which I thought was super cool. And then the game put out that trash Michael Jackson dedication track and it was it was just a wild time man and and for i was holding on to that feeling forever i was like i'm gonna always celebrate michael's music like it's crazy that i got so far away from this incredible catalog of music and then eventually like i'd say about a year or so after his passing like it it just kind of stopped or just it just kind of went back into the 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 uh, catacomb, so to speak, of the, of my music and stuff. I wasn't playing as much, and then I d- I just kind of slowly got away from him. I guess. I mean, I was like, I I'd always think about like when June rolled around or August was birthday rolled around. I was always oh, his birthday. Oh, this is the day he died. I remember where he's at, and I, I was always kind of like, oh, I remember how what what I went through and all the, how it meant what it meant to me at the time, but. I, I, for some reason, I started to just drift away, and then I had actually, I think I even said on the pod, that I wanted to get back into the, paying more attention to Michael Jackson's music again, because I went so Prince heavy, especially after his death, because I, I started listening, when he started kind of putting out music again, like 20, I don't know, 13, 14, like with, uh, um, he he put out like three album like two albums before he died and then he had the one that came out right after um the hit and run phase two and then there's hit and run phase one. He had that band that he had and then he had put out another solo album. I was really into those solo albums and hit and run leading up to his death. And then when he died, when Prince died, then I kinda dove into his music more and it it wasn't such a mourning process for Prince, unfortunately. I, I wish I could say I had more and more for Prince, but I didn't. It was more like a three-day thing where I, I, I was just kind of upset about Prince because it was so sudden. Uh, but I had mentioned I wanted to get back to Michael's music, and I even did a recent episode, and I say recent, like within the last two years, of Victory Jump Off Radio where I did a Michael Jackson episode again. And I I just never went back to having that same connection that I had when he died. And then for this to kind of come out, well, not kind of come out, for this documentary to come out and present the facts that it did, it's just still mind-numbing to me. Like, I'm, I'm going to let you go on because I'm kind of rambling here. But um, I actually share, I have a story I'll share in a little bit about something I said to my coworker today about it. Um, but I'll, I'll let you go on because I've been talking for like 45 minutes. It feels like oh, <laughs> on no, that one tell, thing. No, tell a story. Like what happened? What happened with your coworker? Oh, oh, it was just a, a coworker I've, I've been working with for almost shoot seven years at this point, and I know she's a huge, huge, huge Michael Jackson fan. And I, I she actually uh, was in my branch today, so I I came up to her. And um, I was like, hey, have you, did you watch the Michael Jackson documentary? And she's like, 
No, um, my uh, boyfriend was watching whatever, and I said, and I, I decided not to watch it with him or whatever. I was, I was reading everything. And I said, honestly, I was like, it, it, it I, I told her, man, I was like, you, like, she's level-headed too, so she, she's not someone who's going to, she's not somebody on Twitter who's like, like, Michael's innocent, and she's, or on Reddit, Michael's innocent. She's not that kind of person. She's a very rational person, so she understands the magnitude of what the documentary brings. And I was like, you know what? Don't watch the documentary. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to ruin, because she's, she's older than me. I was like, I'm not trying, I mean, you already know the things that he's done and the things that this documentary is going to say or what's out there. I was like, honestly, for you to love his music as much as you, as you do, I feel like you're not going to do yourself any favors watching this documentary because I certainly didn't do myself any favors. Like, I knew going in it was going to be bad. But I went up to her. I was just like, yeah, don't watch it. Like, just just keep the music where it's at and then don't watch the documentary and try to enjoy what you can from the music because I, I just couldn't ruin it for her, man. It was like telling, telling Aaliyah that, like telling Aaliyah that Santa Claus is fake because I don't know if she's awake for some reason, but she's not. Um you know, is it just didn't want to ruin that idea for her, even though she clearly isn't stupid. But I, I just couldn't do it, man. I went like, you need to watch it and you need to stop listening to music immediately. I, I, I can't do it. I, it's, it's that. It's either you watch it and you don't believe it, or you watch it and then you're like, it changes everything. And I'm definitely on the changes everything side. I mean, the thing is, I mean. It's, it doesn't have, so, I mean, she's going to have to watch it and make her own mind up whether she believes it or not. Right. And the, the, the guy that I, I, I said earlier uh, that I read, uh, Craig Jenkins, he wrote something for Vulture. And one of the things he actually wrote was he watched a documentary about two weeks ago. And he said, like, um, he, like, was, like, you know, walking on the street and he heard some people playing Michael Jackson. And he was, in a way, envious of them because they didn't have, like, the that cloud over them. Right. And, I mean, that's actually why I wanted to get into cancel culture with Michael a little later because, I mean, the world is going to make the decision of whether they believe these two men or not. Um, and so we can get a little bit into that right now because... I mean, like I said, like she, I mean, you know, you made your mind up and, you know, I made my mind up about a lot of things and still even wondering about things, but yeah, there, I mean, there's no way you can make final decisions off one viewing like, yeah. and, it, and God, I can't imagine watching part one again, but I'm going to have to at some point. Cause I, I'm going to say it now. Like one, another one of my coworkers said is a documentary well-made. I was like, it's, it's a damn good documentary. And while it is, I, people were saying it's one-sided, it's like these are these two men's stories, these two former boys' stories. It, it's their tale. It's not the tale to be like, oh, well, they're going to say this, and then we're going to say, but these six people said that Michael never did that. Like, it wasn't built to be a, a point-counterpoint thing. It was, it was built to be a, their tale of, of essentially um, living with Michael Jackson. And having Michael Jackson be a part of their lives. 
So, so I that's know. actually that's one of the questions I want to get into is if you thought it was a good documentary because I mean I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm I am on the fence of whether thinking it's actually a good documentary or not mm-hmm. because I do think that. I mean, I think it actually it is one-sided because, I mean, the other subject, the third subject is dead, and there's, right. no, representation, there's no representation of the Jackson family in the, the you know, the, the whole documentary at all. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's what makes it a good or a bad documentary. I think that there's a lot of the quality of the documentary that I sort of question and that's why I was sort of taking notes because um, I do think that there is some things that are kind of questionable, not only about the documentary, but the, the two people accusing, you know, Michael Jackson of the thing. Now, the question, I want to actually preface also that, like, I do think there is a difference between asking whether you believe Jimmy's and Wade's story versus if you believe Michael is a molester. And so I wanted to get into that, but let's stick on basically just a documentary itself. Now, I do think that they did a, a good job of actually tracking these men's lives and chronicling everything uh, about, you know, you know, from their, you know, kids, you know, the photos and like the, the, the TV, um, clippings and that that stuff was actually really put together mm-hmm. um um do you think that there was anything that the documentary was lacking for you um god i wish it was lacking more to be completely honest with you um i i found it funny that i know that i don't know if you read this but uh Wade Robson's dad committed suicide. So he wasn't there. I mean, he, he physically isn't here to be a part of documentary. I found it strange that they didn't include um, Jimmy's dad at all. Um, Jimmy, uh, James Safe Chucks. I thought for sure, I mean, that they would have the father kind of come in and say something. And it, it, it really didn't have that and the fact that that well, there wasn't aside from um wade's brother us uh, uh and of course the the men themselves um there wasn't really any kind of male influence as far as the stories that went on and stuff um i i did find that kind of interesting that that it lacked the male perspective a little bit now that i think about it um, but that's that's the only really glaring thing that pops up in my head. So I want to hear what you have to say. I mean, I think as far as that perspective, um, I mean, you had the two men, but you also had Jimmy's, not Jimmy's, um, you had Wade's brother. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, that I think that's, I think that is a problem with the documentary because, I mean, if you want to really get sort of, I mean, we are going to get real about this shit, but I think a very a very sad thing about this whole thing is that if you if you think about it other than Michael you know being you know the accused you know molester their mothers really let these men down these boys down because 
this is part of the actual quality of the documentary I want to get into, but especially Jimmy's mother, like I had a supreme a supremely big problem with this woman because Oh my god. If it felt like she didn't take any of this seriously. She there was points where she was like laughing while talking about like life with Michael and it didn't feel like she really processed anything that happened. And so you have this woman who it, it feels like there's a lot of points where she's talking like an envy, like she was very proud to be a part of these moments, but she didn't have any sort of actual, you know, contemplation on, you know, this man who gave me these, you know, trips and, you know, hotels. Bought us the house? Yeah, yes. He bought them a house. He gave them the fake loan and said, oh, yeah, you don't have to pay it back anymore after you didn't testify against us. After all this, you know, my son was still potentially, you know, fucked by Michael Jackson. She didn't have any sort of remorse. And uh, Wade's mother, she also came off like they were just power, like they were star hungry. And so, so in summation, basically, for Wade... He was a kid who, whenever he was very young, he idolized Michael Jackson. He learned to dance moves. You know, he he dressed like Michael during he the damn there looked like him as a kid. Yeah, so he, um, in Australia where he's from, he was uh, getting on TV shows, doing competitions, and then he happened to catch the eye of one of, you know, Mike's managers and ended up being on tour with him. Uh, but in summation... Basically, their family, the mother decides that they want to move to America to make Wade a star. Oh, but by man. Moving, but by moving to, that was crazy. Yeah, but by moving to America, their father was left behind. You know, this caused Great Depression with the father. And then years later, when the son, um, you know, they basically imply that Wade and his father have no relationship at all. Um, and then eventually, you know, the depression of the father weighs so heavily on that he decides to commit suicide. And if you want to be real about it, like, yeah, like Michael, they paint Michael as someone who was a manipulator. And, but at the same time, like Wade's mother was chasing fame. Like Mm -hmm. that's, and that is a very big part of, you know, Wade's life that they don't really address. Like, like we can definitely, you know, Mike is, you know, to blame if these things are true. Mike is a lot to blame. But we're not going to victim blame here, but at the same time, like his Wade's mother made the choice. Jimmy's mother made the choice that we we're going to keep Michael in our lives, and even though you know he's doing these things that may be peculiar, we're still going to have him a part of our son's life, and we're going to basically attach ourselves to him. And so I think a part of the filmmaking that was bad is that they don't really address it. Like, there's no real contemplation of, you know, why do you think your mother was really doing these things? Do you blame your mother for these things? Um, and, 
And again, like, I'm not going to victim blame any person who was sexually assaulted, whether it's a man or a woman or a child or whatever. But they don't really take a lot of time. The filmmakers, the filmmaker at least, they, they don't take time to actually contemplate, like, the role that the parents had in their child's degradation. And so I think that part of that filmmaking is kind of bad. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider in uh, the mothers because I, I figured we were going to get into a different part. But you're absolutely right that that's – I absolutely hated how Stephanie Safechuck sounded that whole the, – the whole film, honestly. I mean, she, she got a little a little upset here and there. But, I mean, she for the most part, she was just like, I'm in front of a camera and I'm telling this wonderful story about Michael Jackson. And, and it just it just so happens to have a sad ending about what – about what he did to my son. So, and then the other one, Joy, I mean, she, like you said, she's the one that took off to America. And, and literally like the thing that blew my mind with her is when you said, it, I was like, Oh God. Yeah. Like she literally, I, I think they hadn't heard from Michael for a little bit at this point. And she's just like, wait, he's going to miss his chance. We're moving to America. And, and then, then nobody like, I don't like, how do you move from Australia to Los Angeles just on the, I mean, obviously they had a relationship with Michael Jackson. So it's like, okay, that's a pretty big hook to come to Los Angeles, but you just uprooted most of your family to go chase his dream of your little boy being a, a famous dancer. And you left your husband and your other son with no problem. Like it's just asinine and crazy to me as she would do something like that. Yeah, man, like it's, and also, you know, going back, like, you know, these, these were parents who had no qualms with leaving this, even though he's a super famous person, they had no problem leaving their child alone with them, like leaving their child alone with with almost a complete stranger. And by even them, like, you know, taking them on tour with Michael, like, they they encourage it. And they, and I mean, in a lot of ways, like, they even, like, I think in all, a lot of ways, like, they were even happy with it. I mean, I'm not saying they were happy with their, you know, son being potentially molested, but they they were fine with, like, the exposure that their kid was getting. In particular, I know, like, you know, especially for Wade and how he was a kid that he definitely idolized Michael, you can tell, you know, you know, they were, I, I, you know, their family was for it. And so it's really, it's really hard to sort of watch that too. And how, like I said, like their parents, the mothers, like they don't really take any, you know, any sort of stock in that. Um, so yeah so you know that part of filmmaking like i said was kind of questionable mm-hmm. and also a part of actually not telling more things particularly about Wade, that was very questionable also so you know during this time period you know they definitely talk about how Wade perjured himself well i don't know if he really perjured himself but at the same time like they talk about how Wade lied on the stand you know, during the 2005 trial, mm-hmm. but then, you know, he eventually, you know, made the accusations. But, I mean, there's things that Wade has done in his past that are pretty questionable that, 
you know, Twitter and, you know, Michael Defenders are really staunch and sort of promoting them. So getting, yes, they are. So we're going to look into a little bit into that. But the, the main, like I said before, there's, there's really two questions that you, that you want to ask yourself. And so the first question is, do you believe Jimmy and Wade's story? And then and the second question of that, like, which is just a, you know, a byproduct is, do you believe Michael Jackson's a child blaster? So I want to ask you, Kevin, do you believe Jimmy and Wade's story? Oh. And, I mean, it's this is something I've been wrestling with since, you know, watching the documentary. And, I mean, honestly, it, it will be something that I know I'll never answer. Or like no one will ever have the the true answer, but right. um, but you know that is something that everyone will eventually you know have to ask themselves. Like, do you believe these two men who made these accusations? I believe them. Um, I mean, it's super easy for this to be all a fabrication for publicity and to bring down the legacy of Michael Jackson and kind of dredge up old demons with the old accusations and the trial and everything. But I I don't know, man, like it to, to believe that I just sat there and watched four hours of a work of fiction. It, especially with some of the, the details they get into. I mean, again, paper lies still, you can write anything on it, but I, it's hard for me to look at them on camera and think that they're not telling the truth. So I, I do believe them. And I do think that Michael Jackson is a, was a child molester. Do I believe he molested every single child he was ever in contact with? Like Wade and, James, no. That's why I feel like Macaulay Culkin and Corey Feldman can come out and be like, he never touched me. And then there's other, I read a story last night after I finished and I was reading another article. It was like, I, I spent all this time Michael Jackson and I attended the, um, his funeral and I went to the, the private memorial and everything. Um, he never touched me at all. Like, I feel like there was kids that never had that experience, but I feel like there was several, including Wade and... James that had that experience, unfortunately. Oh, man. So, uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I don't think I believe Wade. I think that, I just think that there's a lot that, I think there's so many things with him that are so questionable that, for someone who's lied many times, like what can I really believe? Like, um, so he lied on trial, you know, to save Mike and multiple, you know, attorneys on video have said that he was so convincing that, you know, it's really strange that he would sort of just change the story now. And, also, whenever Mike died, like, he tried to sue the, the Michael Jackson estate for 
this massive amount of money. Apparently, it was like one and a half billion dollars. Yeah. And, you know, we got thrown out because, I mean, he went on record during the trial and said that he didn't do it. So, you know, why would a, a judge, like, really accept that sort of, you know, lawsuit or whatever? Now, I'm a person that I do believe people, I tend to believe people when they make the accusation because I don't think, I don't think, I don't think people really throw around false accusations willy-nilly. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a statistic that like only, I think 9% of people who are accused of rape are wrongfully accused, right? So, you know, if you've been accused of rape, there's like a 90% chance you actually did that shit. And that's why I really, I honestly, I'm like 51, 49% with Wade because I think that like, I don't think he would just make this up. But at the same time, like, you know, with him trying to get that lawsuit that initially happened and there was one point where he was, like I said, like he was trying to, you know, do the, um, you know, Michael Jackson tributes and mm-hmm. trying to trying to gain money off of Michael Jackson's name. Um, initially, apparently, there was, like, some report that, like, he actually tried to shop a book of the molestation, but... Yeah, it didn't were get picked up. up. Yeah, and so it's like, this is a guy who's coming off as if he's trying to profit off of this man's death. And while he was alive, he didn't do any of this stuff. But whenever he died, you know, that's when he's selling his Michael Jackson's, you know, possessions for auction. And he's trying to get book deals and he's trying to sue the estate. Now, according to the, the filmmaker, like him and Jimmy didn't make any money off of the, They didn't get paid for the documentary. But at the same time, I mean, we don't know what other book deals this could actually actually land them. We don't know what sort of appearance fees or anything like that. So I just think that for someone with like Wade, like I said, I'm 51, 49%. Like I'm 51%. He's lying about it. But a big part of me is I do believe survivors, but I just have a trouble with believing con men. And so he just comes off as a con man. Jimmy. I will say, I will say for you go on, I really felt like there was more Wade in the documentary than there was Safe Chuck. Was that just me? No, it's not like that. And that's another reason why I have a hard time believing Wade because if you, if you look at the, if you look at it again, I'm not going to lie. Wade kind of comes off as a sociopath. Like this is a guy who doesn't even have remorse when he talks about his dad his dad killing himself. Right. Like he had no remorse over that. And the way he talked, he didn't really even sound like he had much remorse for the sexual acts that he claims are going on. And you, and if you, if you can make, you can make the argument that this is a guy who just doesn't really know how to understand processing emotions. Like, I mean, that's something that I think is a very, very, easy thing to even argue but at the same time i mean it's like even you know his brother who he's just a regular ass dude like and his sister talking about it you know i mean that was their father like you don't have any remorse like 
you don't have like a anything. He and was so, real stoic. Real stoic. He was a yeah, like and so like I said, like he I and also I think that his story is told more because and I mean in a sense their story is more tragic. And that's another part of filmmaking that I have a problem with because I mean his story is tragic because yeah, his his dad, you know, committed suicide, but I mean it feels like maybe you're trying to capitalize off of that because I mean, if he killed himself because of that, like he didn't kill himself because he knew about Michael Jackson lessons. He killed himself because his wife and his kid left for America. Michael Jackson broke up his family. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that happened. But again, like she still made the choice to do it. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would, I wouldn't say that Michael literally said she's coming with me, but I no, I yeah, she made the so, choice. And so, yeah, man, I think there's too many things, too many great things with Wade that you know I can I would say that I believe his story. Like I, I just it's weird. I have a hard time actually saying that I don't believe it, but at the same time, like like I said, I'm fifty one forty nine. Like there's just a part of me that. It just feels like very, it just feels very commie from him. But for Jimmy, I think that there were some things with Jimmy that I think were questionable. Like, like I said, I think like his mother definitely wanted to, to profit off of Michael's stardom. And she, like I said, she herself didn't show any sort of remorse about, you know, his situation. I think, I think it is kind of, I think it is a bit strange that do you remember the scene where Jimmy had the um well I should explain to the listeners also. So there's a scene where Jimmy brings out a box of rings. Right. And Michael says he so him and Michael go to like this jewelry store to buy these rings and while in the store Michael is saying that I'm buying this for my girlfriend, I want this kid to try it on because it if it'll fit him it'll fit her. But Michael is buying, supposedly he's buying the rings for Jimmy. And so when Jimmy takes out the box, he says, I hate looking at these. And most people who have triggers, they don't nec- they don't typically keep those triggers around. Right, right. So I, I thought that was incredibly strange, in all honesty. Like, and now for pe- people who are, you know, rapists and you know people who perpetuate those type of actual evil acts they typically do keep tokens and so they view those as actual trophies of what they you know quote unquote accomplished or whatever or what they got away with but for a victim to keep it that was really surprising that he actually still kept that and that was a bit strange to me yeah Um, that I felt the same way too. Like I felt the emotion of that point in the movie where it was like he Michael Jackson supposedly had this marriage with this little boy. I felt that emotion, but at the same time I was like he really got all that jewelry still after all these years, especially knowing what he knows now. Now, granted supposedly he didn't realize he was abused until later than Robeson, the later than Robson, 
So maybe he just hadn't got around to it. But at the same time, I would think if something suddenly clicked that that I was abused by by someone and I had something from that person still, I, my first instinct would be to get rid of it. I feel like I don't feel like, like let me keep this as a reminder of my trauma, you know. So I'm with you there. Yeah, and I guess I guess maybe I'm picking nits at this point, but there was like another thing that was kind of strange to me, like in the beginning, whenever we are introduced to Jimmy, he, um, I think I'm picking nits with this sort of point or whatever, but in the beginning of the movie or beginning of the documentary, we're introduced to Jimmy and he, he tries to downplay what Michael means to him. Like, so basically he's like, I wasn't a fan of Michael, you know, I was more into Transformers, but, you know, this is a kid who, he says that he wasn't a fan of his, but then we see, like, home video of him, like, maybe, like, you know, not even very far along into supposedly knowing Michael that he knows, like, all his dance moves, and he's like, right. that was, that was just, that was He was the strange. first one that was on tour with him, right? Because yeah. I feel like that the first footage they started showing, like the old ar- archival footage, was him being on tour with Michael after he did the Pepsi commercial. Yeah. And, and Michael so, would pull him on stage every night. Yeah. And so, you know, there was this, the, they showed the um, Pepsi commercial and they were like, we want to have Jimmy meet Michael for the first time. And so, you know, we want that reaction on camera. And like, you know, when they, whenever he sees Michael for the first time, it's like, you know, this is a kid who's like, you know, basically starstruck. And so, I mean, if you're not a fan of Michael, like, what's, why would you be, why would you be starstruck by this person that you aren't that big of a fan of? So I thought it was kind of strange that like he downplayed his like fandom or whatever. Um, but and like I said, there was just, and maybe there was just pressure from his, his mother. Like, maybe this was all things that, like, his mother, you know, subconsciously planted that, like, yeah, I know who Michael Jackson is, so I'm going to get you next to him so we can, you know, get this shit popping or whatever. Yeah. And so. I wouldn't maybe put it faster. Yeah. So maybe that was it. Um, for Jimmy, I guess I don't, I don't believe Wade, but. I think for Jimmy, I'm at like a, I'm more of like a 65, 75% that I do believe Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I'd ever say this, but I do think, you know, I do think Michael Jackson lost the kids. And yeah, like Macaulay Culkin and Corey Feldman can come to his defenses, but I do think there is a reason that, you know, he would have settled out of court for the 93 trial. And I do think that, yeah, there may have been people that tried to finesse him for money. Um, But, you know, we have a lot of adults who are very comfortable with leaving their kid around Michael in beds and sleepovers and whatnot. And... You know, that, that, yeah, like that that shit just isn't right. Like when we're kids, we're taught not to talk to strangers. But they're letting the, their son sleep with a stranger. Right. And you know, this is just 
it's just really it's sad that Michael molested kids and it's sad that these parents are fucking complacent in it too like now these kids did absolutely nothing to deserve this at all and like I said I, I would never blame someone for being the victim of abuse but their parents really coddled the shit and let this shit happen yes and I, I think that there's something very dark and whenever Jimmy's mom was on the screen, like, I fucking, I fucking hated her. Like, I really did, like, and it's, I mean, I guess it is easier to hate her than to hate Michael because Michael's just dead, but. <sighs> no, because she I sounds mean, so stupid, though, because she's like, yeah. well, all of a sudden, like, they, Michael and Michael and Jimmy would be further and further away from us, and then Germany, like we were in, like we were barely in the same building. They're like, "Oh, we can only keep you so close to Michael." And she's like, "Oh, that makes sense. He's Michael Jackson." And and I was like, and then it was it, it was um, I believe it was her, the one that was at the um, at the apartment a bill or the um, whatever you want to call it, the condo, um, in L.A. um where she was like in the room next door when shit was happening. I think it was, it might've been joy. Um, might've been uh Wade's mom that was saying that, Oh, she was right next door. But then me and Michael were in bed next door. I think I was joy, but still like the idea that if it did happen and then you were right next door to your kid and you had no idea, like it's just insane. Yeah. And I mean, we should also talk a little bit more about the house thing. So, so basically, Jimmy's mother got a quote-unquote loan from Michael um, to buy a, a house in, in California. And then after the 2000, I think it was 2005 trial, whenever like he got off, he basically said you don't have to pay back the loan. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely some like, you know, wink, wink, you know, nudge type of shit. So... Yeah. Like I said, like I think that if any of my doubt I mean if if I have any doubt about Jimmy's story, it really is only because of his mother. And I do think that she manipulated the situation. I do think she put her son in these positions to whereas he would get molested. But she kept turning a blind eye to it. Um but but yeah, I like I said, I I think that with Wade, I think his mom was complacent, but I also think that there's things with him personally that I just don't believe him as, like, someone as credible. But at the same time, like, I think while there is things with Jimmy that I do think are flawed, um, I, I'm more prone to believe his story than Wade's. Um, so, not not to interrupt, but I, I am just kind of Googling things, and literally on a site called ReflectionsOnTheDance.com, Wade Robson, Ray Robson, wrote a tribute to Michael after he passed, and it's a, I'd say about maybe a thousand words of, of uh, everything, kind of like what we heard in the, the movie, and then all these other details and stuff, and uh, I still have my mobile phone with his no- his number on it. I just can't bear the thought of deleting his messages. This is in 2009. And then 
And the very last thing he closes with, I love you, Michael, Wade Robson. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, this is a guy who was star chasing. Like, yeah. I mean, his mom did it and he's doing it. And so, well, and actually, I should also mention that even for the lawsuit, Jimmy was a part of the lawsuit as well. So that doesn't really look good for Jimmy. But at the same time, like, you know, wrote, uh, Wade, Robson, he continually tried to profit off of Michael. And, like, so so that's why I just, I just don't, I just can't believe him. I just, yeah. I just, I just can't. But at the same time, like, you know, of these other people who have accused Michael, I mean, it's a shit like with, um, it's a shit with uh, Cosby, like, if you take the statistic that like 90% of women who accused, who make accusations of rape were really raped of the 30 women that accused Michael, uh, of accused Cosby, only mm-hmm. 10% of them. So like three women are lying. Okay. But the rest of the 27, like they, you know, they, you know, that happened to them. And so, you know, I think in this situation, rage, wages probably falls in, in the 10%. And Jimmy falls in the nineties, so right. So yeah. But again, like I, I want to preference to listeners that, like, at the same time, like, while I'm saying I, I personally don't believe Wade's story, that that's definitely not to say that, like, I, I negatively judge people who do because Twitter was a place where. Twitter is a place where nuance goes to die. And so people, the reaction on Twitter was like, either you're, either you're super with it or super against it. And right. so people are up in arms by getting at people who disagree with the accusations and people who agree with the accusations. And, you know, I'm a person that like, I can say that I don't believe Wade, but at the same time, like, I'm definitely not going to say that Michael Jackson's innocent. Like, I'm definitely not going to champion, like, his side of the story because, I mean, you know, you have no business with even, not even sexually, you have no business sleeping with children. unless not at all. Like, unless you're the, the child's parent and they are having a nightmare and they want to sleep in the bed with you to get through the night, like, you don't right. have any business sleeping with children. And so... You know, all these kids over all these years, like something had to have happened with at least one of these kids. And if it and if it's some situation where out of these dozens of kids, only one kid got molested, then that's one too many anyway. So, you know, we're we're not gonna you know we're not gonna get one a, a pass. Like we're not gonna get, there's no, no slip ups with there's no slip ups with with molesting kids. Like they're just right. um, another thing that bugged me now that I think about it about the documentary was how Wade had said um he had been replaced by Macaulay Calkin. Like yeah. how 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 convenient as a YouTuber I watch would say that he was supposed to be in black and white and all of a sudden the calls stopped coming and and then they're having to drive themselves to the video shoot, and then they get there, and then, oh, look, it's the kid from Home Alone just happens to be there and completely took Wade's spot in the video. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, just listening to you and then kind of digging a little bit more on Wade. Like, I'm not saying I'm completely flipping on my opinion that, that I feel like he was abused, but there's way more smoke on his side um, than, like you said, than on James's side for me. Like, especially now, like he, coming in before we turn these microphones, I was like, I was completely all in. And now li- listening to you point out the facts and then kind of doing a little digging on some stuff on the internet that wasn't just pure MJ innocent. Um, it, it, it's hot. You see, it's just a little bit more suspect on his side. So I don't know if my opinion will eventually change, but definitely more, more uh, flakiness from him. I mean, that's the thing why I said like the two separate questions are the, are the important questions to ask. Do you believe them? And also, do you believe what Michael is or isn't? I mean, and, you know, each survivor is their own survivor. So the individual, you know, you can question individual, but the collective, that's ultimately what's more important. And so ultimately, we both agree that we both agree that we believe Wade, uh, we believe um, Jimmy. And we both agree that we, you know, that child, that Michael Jackson molested children. Um, and so sort of segueing, um, I talked a little, little bit earlier about the cancel culture and how you know, like there, there are radio stations that are, are not going to play Michael. Well, at the moment, they said that they're not going to play Michael. Um, I think that we live in... I think Michael Jackson means so much to just music and, you know, the pop world. Thinking about the idea of canceling Michael is, is like talking about basketball, but we're going to cancel Michael Jordan. Right. Or we're going to talk about football and we're going to cancel fucking Tom Tom Brady. Brady. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to cancel, um, you know, we're going to talk about baseball, but we're never going to talk about fucking Babe Ruth. Like, he's literally the greatest, like, of, you know, of what this pop shit is. Baseball does and, have a cancel culture, though, because there's, like, you think about Clemens and Bonds, like, they've been actively trying to cancel them from history by not putting them in the hall. So I kind of feel like they do have a little bit going on. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. That was a bad segue. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was terrible. It's my show. (laughs) No, I'll cut it out. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Well, we need to laugh, so fuck it. Keep it in. (laughs) Um, But, but, um, so when we come to the summer and the cookouts come and we come to Halloween. Oh, God. Do you, do you think that America... Well, we can't talk about the world because, I mean, we're we're just American citizens. And so, you know, the world is a different beast. But do you think in America, at least that Michael Jackson will be canceled? There's no way in hell. I, w- I was thinking about this answer specifically earlier, too, because, uh, I mean, no matter what side of the argument you fall on, man, my, Michael Jackson's musical legacy is cemented. Like, he is a part of 
he's a he, he's a huge part of every single day music. Like there is not, I mean, even if you take his music off the radio, which would never happen. Like yeah, there's some in Can- stations in Canada that's already taking it off, and kudos to them for taking that stuff to be like we're not going to support him anymore. But on one hand, it's it's just too. It's difficult to do, but then also no one will really want to do it. Because can you imagine life without walking in the CVS to go pick up some cough drops or something and then hearing uh, um, um, human nature come across the, the speakers in the store? Can you imagine just randomly having on your Spotify and just letting it play and then all of a sudden here it goes? Uh, dangerous coming off of coming from Spotify like it's just it's just too he's just too common like it's almost like he is as common as breathing when it comes to music like very few artists like he's he's surpassed everything music wise and and you'll have your Elvis supporters like well the king was awesome like yeah but King of Pop is way more important than Elvis in the grand scheme of things at this point. And you you can, and, you, and there will be some out there who will say Beyonce has possibly eclipsed him in popularity and everything. But at the same time, there's a lot of good Beyonce songs, but not all of those songs are going to be playing every few seconds, every single day, um, no matter what you do. So there may be some. Oh, go ahead. I mean... I think even in the argument of Beyonce versus Michael that like, I don't think she's passing because she doesn't have like, she has lemonade and she has her, her stellar performances on tour and on like um, award shows and stuff, but she doesn't have, can you name like, can you name like a Beyonce song that has like what Thriller has? Like, like even something like single ladies, like that doesn't have the impact of what the song Thriller had. No. Just look at the song of Thriller. How many artists really get a chance to have a song like that? Like Prince had Purple Rain. Um, I mean, Eminem has like lose yourself. But I mean that's not like really his thriller or whatever. Apples and oranges, yeah. Yeah, but and just in a pop sphere, like I mean, she just doesn't have the catalog that that uh, that Michael has. Like, I mean, she doesn't have like like she just doesn't have that that thing that Michael had. And I mean, in all honesty, the, the article that I was reading that Jenkins wrote earlier, he argued that no artist should have what Michael had. Like, no artist should have that sort of command over. No one person should really have that command over, you know, just pop culture. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, he he wrote about how in the Super Bowl he stood for just four minutes and did nothing, and it was the greatest thing that people had ever seen before. Like when he performed like the it's a ninety two Super Bowl in uh, yeah California, and so yeah it was not it was ninety two yeah and here's a hot ass take I didn't think that Super Bowl performance was that great everybody it wasn't good people, at all thank you a lot of people were like oh that's the greatest Super Bowl halftime ever I'm like no 
It really that wasn't. Shit, dog. It, he he stood, he moved, and he just went wild. Like, that's... Dog, can you imagine standing still, people cheering? Let's say you want to say you want a subway. You're standing still, people cheering and shit. You, like, sneezing, like, niggas start fainting. Can you... I, no one should have that control over the pop landscape anymore. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, and I even I even have a live in Butchercrest DVD of him performing like in the late eighties, like on the bad tour and stuff. And while it's cool and there are times he's actually singing and the dancing is phenomenal, at the same time I was I was kinda like, Man, it's like I I didn't and I watched this like as a grown adult, so it's like I could see why people would think it was like the best thing since sliced bread back then, but like he, like you pay thousands of dollars to sit maybe a football field away from this guy, and and this is the show that he gave you. Like I'm not trying to take any way away from his performing or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like I kind of feel like his later concerts and especially at Super Bowl is not all it's all cracked up to be. Yeah, I mean, because he was he was. Basically performing in like sixty thousand seat fucking football stadiums like across yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. He's in he's in countries where motherfuckers may not even know English like that. Like, you know, I mean, he just had it all. Like, he really had it all, and I mean, he proved that he ultimately he shouldn't have had it all. Right, and. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to be canceled. Like, I mean, it's the, the funny thing is, I was thinking about Spike Lee and how after Michael's death, you know, they have Michael Jackson's Day in Brooklyn. Is Spike Lee going to have that? Like, the cookouts, like the family reunions, like, is Arnie is not going to play like Pyt? Like, yeah, they are. I mean, through um. There's no, there's no way people are going to play Thriller in some way, shape, or form. The black community is going to ignore leaving Neverland so hard, I think. No, nah, I mean, I think I think maybe the older generations, maybe, but yeah, I think this is a younger situation because the funny thing is, like, they don't. It's they're blessed not to have been in the cult of Michael Jackson. Like that's like that's literally all it is. Like. If you don't remember, if you weren't even, if you didn't have consciousness to even see fucking the black and white video when he turned into a panther and he was smashing a car, like, if you weren't a part of that era, then you have an actual, you have an advantage. Like, you're not really soiled by what his image image was. Like, if you don't, fuck, if you don't even remember the Moonwalker Sega game, like, yeah. if you if you weren't a part of that culture, then you're way more susceptible to believe in like, uh, you know, a um, an accusation about him. Mm. But f- but for us, like, so I'm so you know I'm 32. Like, if someone so bad was 88, um, dangerous was 91. Mm-hmm. So let's. So if you were born, let's say you're actually. You know what? The the the, the benchmark is probably the ninety three trial. 
because by 93, after that shit happened, like, that's when people started to wane on him a little bit. So if, if you were born from 93 to now, you, you don't have the, you don't have the cult of Michael fandom on you. You just don't. No. And so if you're, if you were born in 93 and younger, and you don't believe the accusations, like any of them, I got to think something wrong with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, like, that's just kind of wild. And, but the thing is like for us, like, if you were born of or a part of the 80s and a part of the 70s, like, you know the importance of what Off the Wall was. Like, you know the arguments between Off the Wall versus Thriller. You made the, you made the, you picked a side. Like, you know, like, you know, elementary school, there's always that one kid who, who dances like Michael Jackson. Yeah. I, I still remember... The first time I ever saw that in my high in my school, like I was, I was going to Oral Elementary School in Southeast DC, and like we were all, all leaving for we're all leaving home, and then this one kid he just started busting it out, and like the whole school like this thousand little ass black kids, like not thousand like hundreds of little ass black kids, all circled around this one little kid because he could do the Michael Jackson. Yep. Like every hood in America had like every. Not even just every hood, like every city knew someone who could do the Michael Jackson. And that's the thing, like that no one does the Beyonce. <laughs> like like no that's one does it. the no one does the Pharrell, like no one does the Ray Shrimmer. Like you like people doing the Michael Jackson. And so that's just the thing that we all grew up on. And, you know, the older generation, like, I don't, it is going to be hard for them to believe it, but, you know, at the same time, like, I mean, it is something that I can't ignore. Um, I think collectively, like, whenever, you know, Aaliyah is getting to our age, like, I don't think there's going to be any problems for her or her kids. Like, they'll, I think by that generation, like, they'll be well beyond the, you know, needing for reasoning, like they'll just, um, you know, they'll just like he was a blessing and keep him moving or whatever. But I mean, shit for us, I mean, you know, it's, I still have Michael on my phone. Like, I still haven't deleted shit from my phone yet. Um, I, I haven't listened to it yet. And I know that the first time I listen to it, like, I'm going to get sick. No, I, I, I completely agree that, it's not going to be the same. And even though we're both um, on that, well, well, even though you don't believe Wade and I'm in the part of believing Wade, but I'm kind of skeptical now, like when he was describing the acts, man, like it ruined me. That, that was the part that really ruined me. Like when he was like, I'm not going to repeat it here. But when he was describing the sexual acts, man, like it was, I literally just felt super sick to my stomach listening to that. And I'm sure that's possibly what the document, the filmmaker was going for as he was, he was doing this. And if it is all true, then from Wade's side, then it's super disgusting. But even if Wade is lying, he's a convincing enough liar to make that moment just cringy. And it just makes you... Like you think about all the times you listen to human nature and um, who is it or in the closet, 
or take it back to the way you make me feel or even all the way back to rock with you. And then to think this dude had little boys on all fours on his bed while he looked at their, you know, it's just, there's no coming back from that regardless. Yeah, man. And also we, we definitely need to take a time to, um, acknowledge that we're we're living in a dangerous time of when people say that like we're living in a dangerous time to where people don't believe accusations if there's not quote unquote proof and so we are living in a time where we're living in a cell phone era where everyone has video capability and photo capability and we are living in a time where, you know, if we don't see it, we don't believe it to be true. Right. Which is very dangerous. And I want to make our listeners very clear that, you know, again, I'm not say- like I said, I'm saying I don't necessarily believe Wade, but at the same time, like, for accusations like this, we, as a society and probably as a, a planet, we really need to not take the stance of if we don't see it, we don't believe it because, you know, by this end, like, you know, any cop that harasses a, a, a person of color, oh, if we don't have the, the camera footage, we don't believe the person that got killed. So we need to make very clear that, like, we do need to listen to every accusation with a serious and open ear and open mind. And then judge for ourselves, but you know we we really need to get away from the fact that if I don't see on video, you know we're not going to believe it to be true. So a lot of the Twitter thing is there's no proof of it actually happening. Well, I mean, yeah, like I mean, he's not going to videotape him doing these terrible things because you know there wasn't really videotaping prevalent back then in that sort of way, mm-hmm. and. You know, unless we, you know, do the blacklight all over fucking Neverland, we're not going to see, like, you know, the evidence of actual sexual acts. Like, that shit happened so long ago, we're not going to see it. But at the same time, like, that's why I said, like, I do believe Jimmy's story, and I am more prone to believing a survivor's story. Um, But again, like, you know, I don't need to... I don't need to see video proof that Cosby was a, a serial rapist. No. Like, we can listen to people, we can make judgments for ourselves, and we can make intelligent judgments, and, you know, we can go from there. But like I said, I wanted to make it clear that, like, we have to get out this thing of needing videotape for proof. No, I, I'm 100% with you because... I mean that that's a slippery slope whenever you're you're facing that you have to see the evidence and everything like that because it's hard enough for people to come out, especially um, someone who's been abused, to finally face the truth and admit to themselves that something happened, and it's hard enough for them to explain it to friends or loved ones or even someone they're getting into a relationship with it's like hey full disclosure like it's super hard for them to go there and for it to be a public matter when you have to step up and say 
this happened here, and even if it's just as simple, well, not as simple, but even if it's as small as just going to file a police report, like, it, it, and then it's like, oh, well, well, there was no videotape. It's like you're, you're, you're taking away the power that they had already worked themselves up to get by immediately discrediting him because you say there's no proof. It, it's something that we shouldn't, we shouldn't do. And I'm, I'm hoping that as the years go by <laughs> that, uh, people start looking more for facts versus proof necessarily before they pass judgment. Yeah, man. And so, yeah, I think that, like I said, I definitely wanted to get that in the air because I'm, I'm definitely not one of these sort of people that say, oh, I got to see Michael looking at this kid butt before I actually believe. (laughs) No, like, no, like, I don't need that shit. Like, no. if a woman tells me some dude grabbed her ass in the club multiple times and no one did anything about it, like, I don't need to see security night vision of that. Like, I don't believe her when she says that. So, so yeah, man, like, like I said, like, we, as a societal problem, you know, we really need to sort of check that. Um, and with the cancel culture, like, I mean, like I said, I think... <sighs> I think Michael, at the moment at least, like, he very sort of, I think he's probably the first person immune to actual cancel culture. Well, him and Trump. Like, yeah. him and Michael Jackson, Donald Trump, and I never thought I'd compare them in the same sentence in my life, but Michael Jackson and Donald Trump are above the cancel culture. Like, we... Maybe we'll cancel Trump after he's his reelection, but and you notice that's their reelection. Yeah. But um, maybe we'll cancel him then, but and maybe that's that's how long it'll take to even cancel Michael. Maybe this you know document will actually have other uh, accusers coming forward with their stories of survival. Um, but I hope I hope it does like not necessarily more people accusing Michael Jackson, but I, I hope that it, people will see this and even if it's in their own lives that they've, they've been abused and they just never have confronted it head on. I hope it does give them the strength to step up and kind of do what they have to do to, um, to admit, to, to get the truth out there about what happened to them. I hope it does empower somebody. And this is something like the, the, um, the how you say his name Jesse Smollett like the guy from yeah. Empire like right like you know he, he could have fabricated that he was attacked for being a gay black man but if you tell me that a gay black man was attacked for being gay and or black like I'm going to believe his story because you know Smollett he is the exception like he's not the rule like whenever these unprotected people say that they have been victims of these heinous things, like, we really need to listen to them, and we really need to trust them. So, like, if there's another gay black actor tomorrow that gets, you know, God forbid, he gets attacked, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dismiss his story just, be, just because Smollett may have fabricated this thing. Absolutely and not. S- and so, for Wade, like I said, like, 
he may have fabricated this thing for money, but I'm not going to dismiss any other survivor for what, you know, you know, what they've gone through. And let's say, for example, Colin McCulkin, like he, let's say he, he comes forward with an accusation against Michael. And it's the same sort of thing where it's like, I was in a position where I was scared and I didn't think I could tell anyone or maybe he didn't think it really was abuse because he really thought he was in love with Michael Jackson. They were in love together. And, you know, he actually felt comfortable with actually admitting that to the world. I mean, I think that would be a great thing because holding on to that type of trauma, that's not going to benefit anybody, especially, especially him. Like, and I think that's why Jimmy ended up cracking because I do think Michael's death triggered you know, whatever innately in him to actually, it triggered his depression and he, you know, with his wife, he came forward with, you know, what he had, what he'd gone through. So, so yeah, like these stories of survival, they do give strength to other people to come forward and to face their truth and hopefully to get better. And so if any other person was molested by Michael, um, you know, hopefully they can get some sort of solace and hopefully they can work out these things to where, to where they know that it wasn't their fault that they were molested and that, you know, they're not alone and they can get help for, you know, whatever psychological or emotional issues that they have to deal with as a result of it. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. So, um, part of something that's just been running through my mind constantly since I watched this documentary is how many people knew and just never did anything about it. I mean, and I'm talking I mean, like famous down to, to a waiter or a waiter to a, I don't know, somebody came and cleaned at Neverland. Not Butler, but um, the, the maid for Michael actually came out and made accusations, um, but her shit was, you know, dismissed. Um, so, you know, if she was telling the truth, I mean, she made the jump, but no one believed her. But, you know, we are living in a society where we are in the Me Too era, and we are, in this, uh, at least hopefully, we are actually trying to make uh, strides of actually listening to victims. Um, so if she came out again, you know, maybe we actually hear her again. Because apparently she said that she actually saw... Um, if I read one accusation correctly, it said that she saw, like, um, Michael naked with a boy or mm-hmm. in bed with a boy. So, and actually, I think it was Macaulay. I think she said specifically she saw Macaulay with Michael or something along those lines. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think in the sort of, I mean, shit, I think if, if he was amongst some kids like that, like, I honestly, other than the parents who were complacent, like, managers and, like, other people, like, Quincy. Know, I don't, yeah, I think I think more of those people will actually go to during that era. 
it didn't feel like he actually apparently was molesting kids. And so if I had to estimate, I mean, 93 definitely probably wasn't the first time he actually did it, but if I had to estimate, he, I mean, it's really sad to think about, but he, he probably wasn't doing that shit until the fucking bad era, which is, yeah, which is very sad to think about because I mean, in Moonwalker, he had those kids recreate the fucking bad scene. And then he had like the other, the, the three kids with him during the entire movie. So that's probably when he actually started the whole, like, you know, his whole shit or whatever. But I think doing that R&B era, what, like R&B era where like he was making like off the wall and thrilling shit, like, you know, hopefully he wasn't doing anything then, but I mean, fuck, I mean, you never know, honestly. Right. I, I, I kind of agree with your timeline of it being starting around the bad era. Um, and, and the documentary kind of leads us to believe that too, because they mentioned, I believe it was, um, uh, Wade and his sister had mentioned they were riding in a car with Michael and he was playing them on release music, but that could have been music from dangerous too. So, but, uh, um, with Jimmy, I believe the whole Pepsi commercial thing happened in 87 and that's when their, their whole friendship relationship wrongship started. Yes. So it, it, it may, have, and the thing is, one thing that is not mentioned in the documentary, at least that I, I caught, was um, there was never a time where they said anything along the lines of, we were with Michael in the studio. It was always yeah. we were with Michael at his house. So yeah. if he was working with Quincy or with another artist or producer or anything like that, then there's a high probability that they didn't see what was going on. It's not like they would record a, a track and then go back to Neverland and hang out. That's not what Michael had Neverland for. Neverland, Neverland was for him. It wasn't a spot to go hang out. And he couldn't really go hang out anyway, you know. So it, all his interactions with other people would have been in the studio, I think, away from the ch- the kids. Yeah, because that whole, like, Michael, like, embracing the, the kids thing, like, I mean, that definitely wasn't a thing during the, during the off-the-wall or thriller era. Like, that, that just wasn't, like, a, a thing, to the best of my knowledge. And so, I mean, who the fuck knows, like, what even would have triggered it? Like, I don't even want to, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've never molested a child, so I wouldn't even think, I can't even think of the first place that it would trigger anything like that. So, I mean, I can't think of you know, what his mindset was. I mean, it wasn't smart and it wasn't safe and it wasn't clear. But, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's every, damn, man, every. It's it's crazy, man. It's, it's just mind boggling to try to even begin to wrap your head around it. Because believe me, I've been trying for the past couple of days now. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I think also people want to chalk it up to, you know, we we're talking about parents who were complacent. Like, we talk about, you know, how Joe Jackson was a terrible father, which he, I mean, was, but at the same time, like, I mean, even if he was sexually abusive to Michael, like, that still doesn't give Michael a pass to, or anybody a pass to do these sort of heinous things. And so. Absolutely not. So, yeah, man. So, to recap real quick about the main point, I believe 
um, Wade and Jimmy. Marcus believes Jimmy and not Wade. Um, Wade, Wade he's almost 50-50 on. Um, but we both believe that Michael did molest children. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it's something that was always in the back of my head. But like I said, I just kind of, especially after his death, I just kind of shoved it down. So it was like, oh, well, I mean, he got acquitted in 2005. Now he's gone. Boo-hoo. What was me? I made it all by myself. Like it, like it even mattered. Um, but yeah, we, um, like we were, we were both fans to begin with. It's not like we were casual fans or we were more Prince guys. Uh, we both appreciate Prince's work, but I safe to say, Marcus, you're a bigger Michael Jackson fan than a Prince fan, right? Yeah. I was always more of a Mike guy. Yeah, I, I was too. So, I feel like we're talking to a studio audience, <laughs> um, but because this episode has been so serious, but I mean, it, it definitely, it, it it was difficult to watch for me because for years, it's always been my, Michael Jackson. That's Michael Jackson, the king of pop, the biggest artist of our lifetime. Like, like this, this dude was larger than life and then for him to be capable of being a genius in the studio and do good things for people and and yes even do great things for children in his lifetime that uh we've been made aware of from his his charity his charity effort efforts and things like that from him being able to do those things in a public eye and then it come out that he's able to also do this horrific things in the private eye in his own personal t- life is just insane. And for me, there's no separating the, the man and the music. So I'm, I'm not going to listen to a Michael Jackson song the same again. I'm not going to actively seek it out. It'll just kind of be, it'll be a chapter that's closed, you know, that on something that was always a big part of my life. And it it's it's still my mind boggling's only word or only words that keep coming to me. It's it's still a lot to take in even at this point because the documentary is only a few days old at this point for us. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to be actively listening to it anymore. Um, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'll I'll probably be around people. Well, I'll probably be around. You know, people that may play it, but I'm not going to be enjoying it anymore. Right. It's not on the level of Kanye for me. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I mean, opposite. It's not, a, it's way worse than Kanye for me is what I'm trying to say. Where, yeah. where I was like, I don't want to enjoy Kanye's music because he's an idiot. Like, I don't want to enjoy Michael Jackson's music because he hurt children. He's a <laughs> yeah. He, he's and a actually, child molester. I haven't, I have, I deleted all my Kanye off my phone and I haven't, I have yet to actually listen to a Kanye song. Like I've been around when Kanye has been playing and, you know, I remember missing the music, but, um, I still not actively sought out Kanye. And so this is way worse than that. So I, I know like I won't be actively listening to Michael anymore. Yeah. So, 
Marcus, I just want to say that uh, you you've been outstanding this episode. Um, I feel like you there was times where I was just kind of like all over the place, and you, you kept kept the ship kind of righted. And again, your questions and topics are always always bring out the best in both of us, I think. But I really I just want to let you know right now while we're still recording that I think you you definitely knocked out of the park and about this tough topic. So I, I appreciate you, man. I mean, if I knocked out of the park with a Bash Bros, man, you did that shit too, cuz. So well, I appreciate it. It'll sound a lot better with with me fixing a couple edits here and there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was easily the roughest episode of Hyphenation that I've ever recorded and that we've ever recorded together. And when we were talking about this, I likened it to episode 17 where I was talking about Alton Sterling and and Philando Castile, and I actually went back and listened to that episode after I told you that, and this is in no way compares to what we talked about tonight, because as awful and as horrible and as wrong as their deaths were, like, the idea of what Michael did to, in my opinion, Wade and Jimmy, but to children in general with his abuse is, is just way worse, man. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And so, yeah, I definitely want to thank you for, you know, giving the space and, you know, wanting to talk about it and being honest, man. I mean, you know, these are, you know, you know, these are topics that everyone needs to be thinking about, needs to be talking about and having, you know, smart conversations. And even like you said, like, you know, I present a different side that you may not have thought of and you know you're starting to think about it a bit more i mean i mean yeah like i mean i listening to you like like i said like i i do think that like um like i said before like even though i am 51 49 like you know i definitely like i said i understand your perspective and i think it is a very honest and very real reaction to feel and so I would never, you know, take that for granted. And also, I do think that you, like I said, you do approach this with a very open mind and, like, a very clear mind. And so, so yeah, man, bottom line, like, we're not with the fuck shit. Like, we're not with the, we're definitely not with the, you know, championing people who do wrong. And so, so yeah, man, like, being that honest about someone who we idolize and, I mean, and I guess like you saw, like, you were in the midst of the 80s, so you saw, like, the shit before I did. And so, yeah. so, yeah, like, you said, like, you you know, his death greatly affected you. I mean, that's some real shit to admit. Like, you, like, this person who had, like, this larger-than-life thing in your life, like, this larger-than-life role in your life, and they were a total letdown in the end. Like, that's something very hard to admit to, and that's, you know, what I've been wrestling with like these last couple of days. Um, but I do think a lot of people are like us where they're, you know, even just saying it out loud, maybe, you know, if they say it out loud, it has to be true. And so maybe they're having a hard time dealing with that as well. And so, so yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully our conversation leads to them thinking more about things and, you know, really considering, you know, not only this, but other survivors and other people's point of views of what they're saying is their truth and, you know, just thinking about it reasonably and make your own opinion about things. Yeah. 
I, I can only hope. So I'm going to, um, by the time you hear this, um, you'll notice I'm not going to put any commercials or ads for other shows from Hyphen Podcast Group or anything in here. I feel like this is a serious discussion and for an Isla Pal drop or catch a show or I black man to come out of nowhere when we're in the middle of such a serious discussion just wouldn't wouldn't be fair to the topic. So presented to you without interruption. Uh this has been Hyphen Nation. Uh I am Kellen Conley. Um Marcus, anything, any words of wisdom you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, words of wisdom, like I said, man, the 90 to 10%, you know, whenever a survivor tells you they, they have a story to tell, listen to them, be open, do not judge, and yeah, man, and also tell tell people to stop doing this fuck shit in the world, and yeah. maybe we won't have these stories coming out as much, but but no, on a serious tip, like like I said, like you know, if a survivor tells you their story, do not judge. Listen, learn, and become a better person for it. Yeah. Um. And then my my advice, my words of wisdom this episode is, I know it's 2019, and I understand that it is more difficult than ever once they hit a certain age to know what your kid is doing or what they're going through. But parents, please, 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 please be active and know what's happening in your children's lives. They're going to hate you for it. They're going to resent you for it. But you you don't want to find out X amount of years from now that I don't know the neighbor down the street who y'all used to hang out with all the damn time used to touch your daughter or your son inappropriately at the dinner table. Like I said, like years after it happened because you weren't aware or you trusted them a little too much or I, I don't know, like just, just try to stay on top of it. I know it's super hard in today's age and I know it's even harder once a kid gets to be a teenager and they don't want to talk to you or they're out running around with their friends and they think that they're grown and all this, but just, just try to know what they're doing and try to be as open and honest when it comes to conversation with them as possible. Make sure that you know that you let them know that you love them, you care for them, that you are their friend, but you're also still the authority figure in their life. Um, but at the same time that they can come to you with anything, no matter what, just try to always keep that dialogue open and not, and not get blindsided by something like this. Cause like I said, Joy Robson and Stephanie, um, oh wow. One blank on his name, last name. Um, the other mom, um, Jimmy's mom, that we both said that they had their disingenuous moments in the documentary. But for them to, and yes, they did come to the boys when the 93 happened and was like, did he tell you? And then they had been groomed by Michael to say no, of course. And then they even took it a step further where Michael and his lawyers, including the late Johnny Cochran, were even talking to these boys about 
uh, how to how to answer these questions according to their um, what they said in the documentary. Like even with even with all of that, like they they just came off as we said money hungry and fame hungry and starstruck by the idea of Michael Jackson. I don't care if Usher or Diddy or Justin Bieber decides in two weeks that your son or your daughter is the greatest thing in the world and they want to spend all this time with them. Don't believe the hype, man. Take Chuck D's words to heart and just think. And if you do that, then you're doing yourself and your children a favor. Yes, sir. Yes. So, um, appreciate everybody listening to this difficult topic. Love to hear your feedback, even if uh, you disagree with everything and think that Michael has never done anything wrong. Um, Mr. Jackson, I don't know. I won't call him now. I don't want to call him. I don't even want to say his name at this point right now. <laughs> but um, I'll figure out something clever whenever the time comes. But this one, this episode wasn't for being funny or being clever. But appreciate everybody listened. We want we want to hear your feedback. Um, if you have any, appreciate everybody listens to the show. And uh, thanks, y'all. Peace.